Hello everyone. You are listening to the Creative Biolabs podcast, we provide reliable exosome-related services and products to clients around the world. Our services cover all aspects of exosome isolation and purification, identification, antibody and engineering. Dear friends in the audience, welcome to our program on time every Saturday night, I am Connie and I am joined today by old friend Dr. Hofstadter to explore interesting knowledge. Let's welcome Dr. Hofstadter with warm applause. Dr. Hofstadter, would you say hello to our audience? Good evening, every dear friend in the audience. And thank you for your invitation Connie. It's nice to be here. So, we've discussed the multifaceted impact of tumor-derived exosomes on cancer initiation, progression, metastasis, dissemination, and diagnosis and treatment in previous issues. And we know tumors have adapted or hijacked methods of exosome-mediated intracellular communication to aid their growth, progression, and signaling. That's to say, tumor-derived exosomes may contribute to the creation of a fertile environment for primary tumors, as well as potential metastatic sites of tumors. Their clinical role is to help tumors avoid immune surveillance, help tumorous lesions progress and spread more quickly, and serve as a route to treatment resistance. In addition, measuring biomarkers in exosomes can aid in the early detection and diagnosis of disease, to determine prognosis, predict treatment efficacy, and measure therapeutic response to treatment. All of these potential uses are currently active areas of translational research. Over the next few weeks, Dr. Hofstadter will lead us to the specific role of circulating cell-generated vesicles in tumor progression. So, where do we start, Dr. Hofstadter? I think we could start with the concept of circulating cells. It is a general term for various types of tumor cells present in peripheral blood. The formation of circulating cells indicates that the tumor has entered a malignant stage, and metastasis through the blood circulation has occurred. The release of nanoscale membrane vesicles into biological fluids by living tumor cells, as far as I know, was first described more than 30 years ago. And the existence of such vesicles has been demonstrated in a variety of cell types and systems. As we mentioned before, exosomes released by tumor cells accumulate in biological fluids, including blood, urine, ascites, and pleural effusion. The release and accumulation of exosomes or microvesicles appear to be important during malignant transformation. These membrane vesicles have been identified by various terms, including high molecular weight complexes, membrane fragments, microvesicles, microparticles, and exosomes. Yeah, I think we have also discussed this part. Although restrictive definitions have recently been applied to these cell-derived vesicles, there is significant overlap between the structures identified as exosomes and microvesicles. In many studies, uncharacterized cell-derived vesicles are referred to as microvesicles. In contrast, many researchers define exosomes in terms of density alone. But the overlap of these vesicle properties and terminology suggests that these distinctions may not be clear. What is the origin of the term exosome? This term originates from the discovery of the secretion of larger exfoliated vesicles derived from tumor cell lines, which reflect the 5-foot nucleotidase activity of the parental cell. 
Subsequently, the canonical pathway of vesicle release following fusion of polycystic endosomes with the cell surface was demonstrated in cultured sheep and rat reticulocytes. After purification by ultracentrifugation, the pelleted microvesicles were found to contain the transferrin receptor, which is also found in native reticulocytes. So I believe that these microvesicles were redefined as exosomes to distinguish them from endosomes. The varied nature of these studies is reflected in the various names proposed, which are still used to identify cell surface released, and endocytic microvesicles of different origins. Ah, that makes sense. So, can you tell us, in what studies were circulating tumor cell-derived vesicles first discovered? Sure. They were initially demonstrated in ovarian cancer patients. These gynecological cancer patients exhibited intact membrane vesicles, within their peripheral circulation and malignant effusions. These circulating cell-derived vesicles were found to express molecular markers, commonly associated with tumor plasma membranes, including placental alkaline phosphatase. However, you know, proteins not normally associated with the plasma membrane can be associated and identified. Exosomes have subsequently been shown to be released by a variety of non-cancer cells, particularly immune system cells, including dendritic cells, macrophages, B cells, T cells, and natural killer cells, as well as embryonic cells. Moreover, exosomes have been shown to be key mediators of normal immune regulation. What mechanisms are involved in the immune evasion of tumor cells by exosomes released by circulating cells? As far as I know, through similar mechanisms, tumor-released exosomes may trigger tolerance responses and participate in other immune mechanisms, such as platelet activation, mast cell degranulation, germinal center responses, and potentially phagocytosis of apoptotic cells. I mean, the abnormal release of exosomes by tumors may enable them to bypass these immunomodulatory antigen delivery pathways and evade immune surveillance. Wow. It seems to be different from the immune escape function of tumor-derived exosomes that we mentioned earlier, right? What are the components of exosomes secreted by circulating cells? Yes, you raise the point. These shed tumor-derived vesicles have been shown to not be exact replicas of the original tumor cell's plasma membrane or other membrane compartments. They represent micromaps of enhanced expression of tumor antigens and like other macromolecules, including major histocompatibility antigens. You know, exosomes and microvesicles are defined based on the size, density, and expression of specific biomarkers, including tetraspanins. Biophysically, exosomes are cytoplasm wrapped in a lipid layer with the outer domains of transmembrane proteins exposed to the extracellular environment. Electron microscopy studies have shown that Multivesicular bodies limit fusion of the membrane to the plasma membrane and release in different cell types of hematopoietic origin. I can give you some examples like Epstein-Barr virus transformed B cells, mast cells, dendritic cells, platelets, macrophages, and non-hematopoietic cells, such as neurons and epithelial cells. I see. Then by what techniques has the protein composition of circulating cell-derived vesicles been extensively analyzed? Which proteins did the results show that were present in the exosomes? 
I think a variety of techniques including western blotting, fluorescence-activated cell sorting, immunoelectron microscopy, and mass spectrometry were used. Together, many results suggest that the composition of these exosomes depends on the cell type of origin. As you know, exosomes contain many common protein components. These include the cytoplasmic protein RABS, which promotes exosome docking and membrane fusion events, and the annexin family, which can regulate membrane cytoskeleton dynamics and membrane fusion events. I heard that a research team recently used ion trap mass spectrometry to analyze the proteome of exosomes derived from cancer patients. Can you introduce the conclusion of the study? With pleasure. First, the study identified more than 200 unique proteins. These proteins were classified by the percentage of total proteins, identified as molecular chaperones, vesicle fusions, cytoskeletal proteins, and proteins involved in cytoskeletal network assembly and disassembly, anion and cation ion transport channels, proteins involved in lipids, proteins involved in DNA replication, post-transcriptional protein modification and signal transduction, etc. Second, the study shows that cytosolic proteins are highly represented, and multiple cytoskeletal components are observed. Not only that, they found that transmembrane proteins were also abundant, including various integrins, ICOM-1, and mucins-4. Thank you Dr. Hofstadter. Do you think the current study pinpoint the exact mechanism of exosome release? Well, I don't think so. But what we do know is that the release of exosomes is regulated by extracellular signals. I mean, three mechanisms have been proposed to release cellular components into the extracellular space. These include exocytotic fusion of multivesicular bodies leading to exosomes, budding of vesicles directly from the plasma membrane leading to shedding of microvesicles, and cell death leading to apoptotic bodies. The first two mechanisms are characteristic of living cells, and are events that require energy. Most isolation protocols easily exclude apoptotic bodies. However, these methods cannot distinguish between exosomes from the endocytic pathway, and shedding microvesicles from the plasma membrane. Therefore, most studies on these extracellular vesicle populations, include a mixture of exosomes and microvesicles. I think this may confuse the interpretation of biochemical data. Okay, you just mentioned three mechanisms. So which is the most common for cells to release components outward? I think the most common process is the release of large biomolecules through the plasma membrane through a process called exocytosis. This process has regulatory and signaling functions. You know, exocytosis can be constitutive or regulatory. Constitutive exocytosis occurs in all cells, for the secretion of extracellular matrix components, or the incorporation of newly synthesized proteins into the plasma membrane after fusion with transport vesicles. While regulated exocytosis is critical for events such as neural signaling, as synaptic vesicles fuse with membranes at the synaptic cleft. The formation of these endosomes is initiated by cell surface-mediated invagination to generate endocytic vesicles that migrate and fuse with early endosomes. Exosomes appear to be formed by invagination, and budding from the limiting membrane of late endosomes, to form vesicles containing the cytosol, 
and exposing the extracellular domains of transfer receptors on their surface. Electron microscopy studies reveal the fusion curve of multivesicular endosomes with the plasma membrane, leading to the release of inner vesicles into the extracellular milieu. I see. What are the distinctive characteristics of exosomes, isolated from the tumor extracellular environment? Well, exosomes from the tumor extracellular milieu, both in vitro and in vivo, displayed overlapping similarities in size, morphology, density, and protein markers of endosomal and plasma membranes. Really? Can you share more details about the research that came to this conclusion? No problem. The population of extracellular vesicles obtained from the biological fluids of ovarian cancer patients was compared by a technique for isolating exosomes and an initial chromatographic method for isolating microvesicles. This comparative study showed that these in vivo-derived vesicles from both techniques isolated goblet-shaped vesicles between 50 and 100 nanometers in diameter. They express CD63, Alex, VPS35, Galactin-3, HSP90, Fibronectin, and Placental Alkaline Phosphatase. Although patient-derived circulating extracellular vesicles fit the definition of exosomes, the contribution of these two populations is unclear. Since both populations are present in the peripheral circulation of cancer patients, I assume this distinction between exosomes and shed microvesicles may not be important for understanding the biological activity of these vesicles. They can interact with the host's target cells as a mixture. So, according to you, the formation of these membrane vesicles has an endocytic origin. Does it mean that the mechanism of exosome formation is the secretory process of the endocytic system, including endocytic vesicles, early endosomes, late endosomes, and lysosomes? Yeah, you can say that. These endocytic vesicles are formed by clathrin, or non-clathrin-mediated endocytosis of the plasma membrane, and transported to early endosomes. Late endosomes develop from early endosomes through acidification, changes in protein content, and the ability to fuse with vesicles or other cell membranes. Early endosomes are located near the outer edge of the cell and have a tubular appearance, while late endosomes are located near the nucleus and are spherical. A key step in the formation of multivesicular bodies from late endosomes is reverse budding. During this step, the limiting membranes of late endosomes bud into their lumen, resulting in a continuous enrichment of inner luminal vesicles. Multivesicular bodies are involved in the exocytotic fusion of their outer membranes with the cytoplasmic membrane, resulting in the release of their isolated vesicles into the extracellular space. In which stage of cancer is the increased release of exosomes and their accumulation important? As far as I know, it appears to be important during malignant transformation. Although extracellular shedding of exosomes occurs in other cell types, under specific physiological conditions, membrane vesicles from tumor cells accumulate in biological fluids, including serum, urine, ascites, and pleural fluid. The release of exosomes and their accumulation appear to be important features of malignant transformation. You know, a recent study analyzed circulating vesicles in normal individuals, patients with benign ovarian diseases, and patients with ovarian cancer using a nanoparticle tracking analysis system, 
The results indicated the presence of circulating vesicular material in all individuals. However, ovarian cancer patients showed approximately three times more vesicular material. That's a great point to end on, so I think that's all we have today. Thank you Dr. Hofstadter, for your wonderful science popularization. Thank you all for listening. What else interesting knowledge about exosomes is waiting for us? Let's see in the next program. Thank you, I hope we will see you next time.